If you got a copy of God's Word and you're there in Luke chapter 2, Isaiah chapter 9, if you're there at all of our campuses, say amen. amen. All right, if you're getting there, say amen. If you're just going to rely on the big Bible on the screen, say amen. amen. All right, that's all right. Jesus loves you guys too. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, well, yeah, we've been talking about manger things and uh, something important happened in a manger uh, 2,000 years ago and it's still affecting us today. And before we read Luke chapter two, I was thinking about Christmases and different years and celebrations. And uh, about a few years ago, um, me and my family were at my mom's house. She's here in this service. And we we're at my mom's house on Christmas and we were uh, exchanging gifts and we had uh, dinner and doing all the normal Christmas stuff. And as we were opening up uh, presents, all of our kids were there. And so wrapping papers going all directions and uh, there's stuff all over, and one of the gifts that we got, um, it was a, it was a, it was addressed. I, I should say maybe I got, but it was addressed to me and my wife. But it was from my family, so if something's addressed to me and my wife, but it's from my family, I assume it's mostly mine. Amen. I just think that's the way it should be, and uh, so it was addressed to both of us. But it was a gift card uh, to one of our favorite restaurants, and uh, so we were excited. We thought oh, we'll go on a little date night or something. This would be awesome, and so we. We placed it somewhere, and every, we uh, continued with the, the celebration, and everything was going on, and uh, at the end of the night, we start to pack up everything, and of course, we had thrown away all the wrapping paper in the boxes at that point. We're packing up and stacking up everything and heading out to the car, and at some point in that evening, I think it was back when we got back to uh, my house or something, we started kind of looking for everything, and uh, then all of a sudden, my wife was going, where's that? Did, what'd you do with that gift card? I said, no, I think you did something with it. She said, I think you did. So we start looking for it. We're looking. I'm looking in my wallet. I'm emptying that out. She's looking in her purse. We're looking in all of the boxes. We're looking in all of the gifts. We're looking through all of the stuff. We, and we never did find that gift card. I thought I'd get a little bit more sympathy than that, but that's fine. Okay. <laughs> Y'all don't even care. Uh, we never found the gift card. And so uh, it was just, uh, you know, we, we just, it was just somewhere, right, in the midst of the gathering, we lost the gift. In the midst of all of the Christmas stuff, we lost the gift. And the reason why we're in this thought of manger things is because in 2019, we are making sure that we don't lose the Christmas gift in the midst of all the Christmas gatherings. We're gonna make sure that we know that we keep applied to our life the greatest gift that was ever given to us, which is a savior born into this world to live a sinless life and to die in our place so that we can have reconciliation with God. Do you wanna talk about a gift? That's the gift. And we're not about to miss the gift this Christmas season. And so Luke chapter two is probably the gospel that uh, gives us maybe most of the detail about uh, when this gift comes to earth and, and takes on, when God takes on the form of human flesh. Uh, we're gonna pick up the story in verse eight here. And uh, it kind of picks up in the middle, so Mary has given birth to Jesus, and, uh, and now it says in verse eight, it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. And they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Let me just pause right there and say this, that a poll was done, and they asked uh, average people, they said, as you read the Christmas story, uh, which group, which persons do you identify with the most? And 
And uh, most people uh, said that they identify most with the shepherds in this story. The shepherds were just ordinary people, and yet they got to be a part of something extraordinary. Matter of fact, shepherds um, would have been, because of their vocation, uh, they would have been unable to ever be at the temple uh, or at the synagogue. Uh, they would actually be uh, uh, ceremonial and clean because of their vocation. And so here, by God's grace, he chooses uh, some people that uh, would, nobody would expect, some people that maybe didn't deserve to be a part of this. He chooses them to be one of the first ones to get this great announcement of this birth. And they are ushered into uh, this moment, this historic uh, moment, and uh, I'm still thankful that God some, sometimes allows some of us who may not deserve it, who may not may be the ones that everyone expects, but we get to be ushered into his presence and to all that that means, and so that's what's going on here. So they were terrified for a, a moment, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, and I love uh, verse 10 here. It says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Good news Great joy for all people. And we are still all people today. Amen? Good news, great joy for all people. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. And if you're in the uh, habit of outlining or underlining, at least highlight this in your mind. A Savior has been born to you. A Savior has been born to you. So this was not just some historic event. This was not just uh, another baby being born. This was not just something for that time frame or for that region. But this Savior being born was born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. What an amazing birth announcement this is. And as I read this announcement in Luke chapter two, that a savior has been born, I start to think about how nowadays birth announcements are very different than this. Now it's a lot on social media. When someone is expecting, they come up with different creative ways that they're going to take a picture that sends the message to all of their friends and family that they are expecting a child. And uh, then, you, you know, people are doing uh, gender reveal parties and they're exploding stuff that shows the gender and there's some different fail videos of how that's gone wrong and things exploding the wrong direction and people getting hit with things and that's a, it's all kinds of different ways now that people make these birth announcements and I was thinking back to when me and my wife were, uh, were, uh, were having our first kids and the, the announcements that we were making and the emotion that was kind of connected to some of those announcements when I, we first became Expecting with our first child, this would be like 24, 25 years ago, um, and uh, we found out that we were expecting, and we had just come on an insurance plan that you had to be on the insurance for a year before you could claim labor and delivery as part of the uh, insurance. And so when we found out that, that we were with child, um, we started to do the math, and the doctor gives us the due date, and he said the due date was, uh, was about, uh, about uh, six or seven days um, before we were going to be eligible to claim this delivery uh, on our insurance at the hospital. And so then for those next few months, I kept encouraging my wife just to hold it together, you know, just... <laughs> 
I mean, if you care about the financial well-being of our, of our life and our future, we can't start out our young married life with this much debt. And so, come on, you know, if you care about this. And, uh, and then uh, uh, on uh, September 17th of that year, um, I remember we were at church uh, on a Saturday night and her water broke. And uh, one more time, I said, come on, you can do this. Uh, and uh, our son was born. It ended up being four days before the deadline that we would be able to claim that birth uh, on our insurance. So even that very first like birth announcement had with it a little bit of a responsibility, a little bit of a, of a little bit of a maybe a little bit of a, a scare, a little bit of a man. I don't know about this. And and then uh, we we continued uh, to have kids pretty quickly therein. Uh, we about four months later, five months later after he was born, we were expecting our second child really really quickly. And uh, and we ended up having our first four very close together. We were had at one point we. We had four kids that were four years old or younger. And so when we would tell people that we were expecting, it was not often met with like joy and celebration and herald. We would tell people we were expecting that we'd be met with pity. They'd be like, you, are you, you are again? We got this joke a lot. We got, you know what this is caused by, don't you? And I'm like, oh, okay, we got you. So all kinds of emotions were always coming through when we were making our birth announcements. Well, when this birth announcement is made in Luke chapter two, that unto you a child is born, uh, uh, a savior is born, there is only one emotion that was going on. It was great joy to all people. It was good news, it was great joy to all people. And it's still good news, it still should cause great joy in our hearts, and it's still for all people. And the church said amen, amen. amen. Well, this story we read in Luke chapter two actually is not the first announcement of his birth. Actually, 700 years before that, the prophet Isaiah gives really, uh, really one of the main original birth announcements that, uh, that this child is coming. And we'll read that in Isaiah chapter nine and spend most of the rest of our time on these couple of verses, these thoughts in Isaiah chapter nine. Let's read in verse uh, six, Isaiah nine Verse six, again, this is the original birth announcement. It says, for unto us, there it is again, unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. I'm gonna talk for just a few moments on this thought of unto us, unto us. We, see all, we saw it in Luke that this child was born, in, the, in the, Luke it said to you, and here in Isaiah he says it this way, he says unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This is your gift. This, this manger moment, this baby born, these manger things, it was all part of God's gift to you. So it's fitting if we just ask ourselves, am I applying all that God is to my life? Because when Isaiah begins to make this birth announcement, he not only says that this child is coming, but he begins to uh, give him, he says, he will be called. And he goes on this description of some of the names and the characteristics and who this Savior is going to be. And I think we can look at those and see if those are uh, a gift that we have applied into our lives right now. 
He begins by saying that his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. And uh, sometimes I think the word wonderful, maybe we overuse it. Sometimes words that we use a lot, they sometimes lose their meaning because everything's wonderful and having a wonderful day even though you're not having a wonderful day. And so we, we use those terms a lot. I think if we took the word wonderful, maybe we do this. Let's do this. Instead of wonderful, this child is born. Yes, he's a wonderful child being born. But let's do it this way. Instead of wonderful, he's full of wonder. I mean, it's, it's the same meaning, but doesn't that just change a little bit? That this child is born and he's full of wonder. He's full of God. He's 100% God. He's full of deity. He's full of miraculous uh, power. And, and that's really what this wonder means. Wonderful, what it was saying was that he is a doer of miracles. That this baby was going to be a doer of miracles. He was going to be set apart. He was going to be deity. And so I'm thankful that I still serve a God who is a doer of miracles. And I don't know what miracle you might need in your life today, but unto you a child was born and he's wonderful. He's full of wonder. Bible also says he's a counselor. He's a wonderful, he's a wonderful counselor. And this word counselor, it means more than just someone who can give good advice. In this uh, Hebrew term that gets translated as, as uh, counselor, it's one more of an honorable rank. It's saying that this counselor uh, is of a rank that he can give counsel and advice and he can give, uh, uh, you know, uh, he, he can advise kings and rulers. That's, that's basically what's all weighed into this word counselor, that he can give advice to kings and rulers. And of course, this is coming at a time, and, and if you read through the history of all of the kings of, of, uh, of Israel and, and Judah, and uh, you can read through First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and they had seen all kinds of different leadership, all kinds of different kings, and some would be godly kings, and God would bless uh, the nation under the rule of those godly kings, and those godly kings would usually gather prophets of God, and they would get their information, they'd get their, they would have their advisors, and they would listen to uh, godly advice, and they would, they would make decisions based on that, and then there were some that were wicked kings, and, and all kinds of uh, horrible things would happen under the rule of, of wicked kings, and usually those wicked kings, the, the prophets of God would come, and they would reject that advice, they would reject that uh, that input and they would go and find wicked people and, and take wicked people's advice and start to make decisions with all the wrong advice. And so this is how they were up and down. Matter of fact, when Isaiah gives this prophecy, um, they are under one of the ruling rulers of a, of a wicked king, King Ahaz, and uh, he's making his decisions not based on, on, on godly counsel, but he's making his decisions based on uh, the advice of uh, the advisors that were wicked. And in the midst of that, Isaiah says, there's coming unto you, a child is going to be born, a son is going to be given, and he will be a wonderful counselor. And what Isaiah is saying is this, is that he not only will have rank to advise 
other kings, but he's going to be a king who is so wonderful and such a counselor that he's going to need no other advisor to tell him what to do. God always knows what's best. God, God knows what's best for this universe and God knows what's best for you. And so you serve a, you serve a God, you serve a king, uh, you serve a Christ who knows exactly what you need. He is a wonderful counselor. It's just, we've got to get to the point that we hear him, that we go to him, we say, God, I need your, I need your counsel in this moment. A um, couple of years ago, um, we had a, a dog, we have another dog now, but our, our previous dog went on to be with the Lord, uh, and I, I think he, his name was Chief. Uh, I say that because I think he was a Christian. He, he and I prayed together quite a bit. We'd go on prayer walks, and I felt like he was starting to really receive on those walks. So uh, he's no longer with us, but uh, he was uh, energetic. He's a big old Bernese mountain dog, and he was always happy. His tail was always wagging like crazy, and I remember a couple of those years, our Christmas tree would be up, and he'd walk, he seemed like he'd walking by all the time, and his tail would be going all the time. So often, his tail would go by there, and he would just, his tail would hit one of those Christmas ornaments, and it would just send it flying through the air, and then boom, it would just crash on the tile. And so we would just be in the other room, we'd hear like a bomb going off, and be like, oh, Chief got too close to the Christmas tree again. And so uh, it was just all the, it seemed like it was all the time. The lower third of our tree just was bare, and then we had ornaments kind of the top two thirds of the way up. And I remember one of those times he's walking by the tree and I started to try to get him away from the tree right there because I knew what might happen and I didn't want him knocking any ornaments down. And so I'm starting to get onto him, trying to get him away from him. And as I'm doing, he kind of flips around and his, his backside goes towards the tree and uh, doesn't knock any ornaments off the tree. But amazingly enough, two ornaments actually go from being on the branch to on his tail. And so now he's got two ornaments hanging off of his tail. At this point, I'm doing everything I can to try to get this dog. I'm trying to communicate for this dog just to chill out until I can get those off his tail. But everything I'm doing to communicate to him, he does not speak nearly as much English as I wish he did. And the more I'm saying, the more I'm doing, the more excited he's getting. He thinks it's some sort of a game. And I'm like, no, stop. And how do you tell a dog not to wag their tail? You know, stop being happy. Like, I don't know what to tell him. So the more I do, the more his tail's wagging pretty soon. There goes one. Whoo. I'm like, take cover. It lands and the bomb goes up. And then there goes the other one. Both ornaments go crashing to the ground, flying off his tail. He doesn't even realize what's going on. I'm still trying to tell him what to do. And that, that challenge of trying to communicate what's best to a creature that's not even getting it. It's just not getting it. Sometimes I feel like that's what our life looks like. There's really no excuse for us as Christians to make poor decisions. Isn't that something? I mean, we do, we all do, we've all done it, but there's no excuse for us to make poor decisions because all we have to do is go to a wonderful counselor and say, God, I need some, I need some guidance in this area of my life. God, there's something going on at work and I'm not sure what's best and I could try to make the decision on my own. I could try to do what my instincts tell me, but God, I instead would like to come to you and say, God, what is best in this situation? Uh, God, there's something going on in my relationship, in my home, there's something going on in my marriage and God, I, I guess I could try try to fix it on my own. I could try to do what comes natural to me, but God, I would come to you. Can you give me counsel? And God will. God will give you wisdom if you ask. Wisdom is knowing what's best in every situation. That's a wonder, come on, let's give God praise. That's a wonderful <laughs> counselor. We've just got to make the decision. When, I in a, when I'm in a moment of, of question, 
When I'm in a moment of confusion, should I, should I lean into my own seared conscience or should I learn from culture or should I instead live to receive the counsel that a wonderful counselor offers me? So as Isaiah calls him a wonderful counselor, Isaiah also is describing this son that will be given unto you. A son is born unto you. A son is given. He calls him, he says, he'll be, he'll be called mighty God. He'll be called a, a mighty God. And I, I love the, 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 the word study of, of mighty and mighty God. It's, it's literally, the word literally means hero. It's a, a Hebrew word called Gabor, and it just means hero. I feel like about half of every movie that's made is about the next superhero. And man, superhero movies are everywhere. People are just so drawn to a hero. Well, this was the hero of all heroes. You want to talk about somebody born with a mission. Jesus is born uh, a God taking on flesh to be a hero. To do, and this is the way I would think about a hero, a, a mighty God. He is one, he is the only one who can do what only he can do. He is the only one that can do what only he can do. I don't know what you need rescuing from. I don't know what uh, you need a hero to do specifically in your life, but I do know this, that he is the only one who can do what only he can do. We've got to turn to a mighty God in every area of our life. I read a story a couple weeks ago about a young lady named Anissa, and uh, she was... Uh, normal teenage girl, this is back in 1988 or so, normal teenage girl in all uh, respects and was an athlete and going to school and doing life. She started to get some, uh, like some little lumps in her ankle and experiencing some pain, but she didn't really tell anybody about it because she hated doctors and didn't want to get you know, needles poked in her, and so she just didn't tell anybody. Well, a few months go by, this is right after her 16th birthday now, she starts to experience such severe uh, pain in her uh, stomach, abdomen, that uh, they, her, her parents finally uh, rush her to the emergency room. She undergoes a battery of tests, and uh, of course they do everything she didn't want. She's getting needles uh, poked in her, and doctors, different doctors coming through. It turns out that, that, that initial, uh, those initial tests were nothing compared to the medical procedures that she was going to have to endure. But this young lady, 16-year-old Anissa, ends up getting diagnosed with a somewhat rare but very, very aggressive form of leukemia. And, uh, um, and so as they start to talk through treatment with her family, they tell her that, well, radiation and chemotherapy, ther chemotherapy could uh, bring this cancer, this leukemia, into remission. They said the only problem is with this treatment is that the radiation and chemotherapy will... Uh, will also destroy her bone marrow. And so she will need a bone marrow transplant if we do this treatment. And uh, if we don't do any treatment, they gave her a life expectancy of maybe five years. And so uh, the search went out then for a, a bone marrow uh, donor, and they put her on a national list, and nobody was, was uh, showing up, and they were checking all of the different family members, and nobody was a match, and uh, started to be a, a pretty dire situation. At that point, a doctor approached um, uh, May and Abe, her, this is Anissa's parents, approached them with an idea that was somewhat radical and somewhat outside of the box. And it became a little bit uh, controversial. It actually was, was uh, on the national 
uh, news back in, back in the late 80s, and so some of you may remember this, but they presented them with the idea of this. They said, you could potentially have another child, and maybe that child, there's a 25% chance that if you were able to have another child, there'd be a 25% chance that that child could be a match for Anissa. Of course, this was a challenge. I mean, May at this time is 43 years old. Um, her husband Abe is had a vasectomy and so they've got to get that reversed and, and with her at, at that age and so the doctors gave them a 10% chance of, of even being able to conceive. And uh, about a year later, they were with child and they were expecting and they were able to do a test on this uh, baby while it was still in her mother's womb and it looked like that that baby was indeed going to be a match for, uh, for Anissa. And so that baby was born, and 14 months after that baby was born, Marissa is her name, and 14 months after Marissa is born, they take a needle into the hip of that little 14-month-old girl, and uh, that little 14-month-old girl becomes the bone marrow donor for her older sister, Anissa. Um, those two girls now are grown, and uh, Marissa says of Anissa, she says she's kind of more, she's like my mom as much as she is my sister. And of course, Anissa understands something about her little sister, Marissa. Anissa understands this. She understood that she had to battle and that she ended up being victorious over leukemia. But she would have never battled and conquered leukemia if it hadn't been for the birth of that little girl. And listen, I don't know all across all of our campuses. I know, I know this. I know there's a lot of battles going on. I know there's some battles going on that maybe nobody even knows about. Maybe you're fighting it all by yourself. Maybe those closest to you don't even know the, the pain that you're going through, don't know the problems that you're facing at every turn. Maybe everyone around you does know because the battle is so intense. I don't know what you need to conquer in your life. I don't know if it's maybe sin, that there's some secret sin that you need to conquer in your life or some sickness or some addiction or maybe it's loneliness or feeling of lack. I don't know what you need to conquer in your life, but I do know this, that because of the birth of a Savior 2,000 years ago in a manger, you can conquer whatever you're battling in your life. He was born a mighty God. He's still a mighty God. He's still a hero. His name will be called Mighty God. Isaiah goes on to say that his name will be called Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. And, and some people get, get tripped up on, on the fact that Jesus is called Father. So how can, a, how can a son being born, the Son of God, how can a son become the Father? And is this, is this uh, messing up the Trinity? But this is not speaking uh, to the, to the uh, place of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit. It's not speaking of that. Matter of fact, some scholars believe that this could just as easily have been translated, instead of everlasting Father, could have been translated Father of everlasting. Father of eternity. That he is eternal. That as Jesus, think about it, as Jesus is being born, a child is being born with the title Everlasting. That's, that's, that's something. This word everlasting is not just future. It's not just saying that, that Jesus is born and now that he is born, now that he exists, he's gonna go on forever. 
Everlasting does not go one direction. Everlasting goes both directions. And it's saying that he is the father of everlasting. He always will be, yes, but he always has been as well. Jesus being born, taken on human flesh, that was not the beginning of his his existence. But he has always been. Matter of fact, the first chapter of John. In the beginning was the word, the word's with God, and the word was God. And through him, the world was created. Through Jesus, he always has been. He's an everlasting father, but yet he's born and he takes on human flesh. And what happened in that manger 2,000 years later is still having a profound impact all over the world. Think about it. Here we are in 2019 AD, and that everlasting father being born still impacts all over the world. I, I, I Googled it this week. I Googled, I I said, most influential, most important person ever on the planet. And I purposely, I didn't go to the Christian websites. I didn't go to the Bible websites. I didn't go to the religious websites. I intentionally went to the news outlets and to the secular outlets of their list of who are the most important, most influential people ever born. And on every single list that I turned to, some of the names are people that you know of. Some of them are modern day people that you know of. But on every single list, the number one spot, guess who occupied it? Jesus. Because we're still... And I present that this is why, because he's the only child that's ever been born that already was and always will be. Matter of fact, when he's born, think about it. Our time gets divided by his birth. The Gregorian calendar, which pretty much is used in most civilizations across the world, it's measured through that birth. 2019 AD is where we are right now. AD, some people think AD meant uh, after the death of Christ, but it's not. It's Anno Domini, and it means this, the year of our Lord. We are in 2019, the year of our Lord. And then everything before that was called BC. And we go, well, that was before Christ, but listen, BC is before the incarnation of Christ, but BC is not before the impact of Christ. Christ, this whole world was formed by him. He was already impacting the world even before Christ. And we in this room, we all have a BC, right? We all have a a season of our life and we maybe weren't living for God and we weren't loving God and we weren't worshiping and we weren't obedient to his word. But even then in our BC, Christ was influencing us. Do you realize Christ was orchestrating your life to get you to the point that you could say yes to him. I'm thankful that Christ is Christ even BC and that Christ is Christ today and and he always will be. He's an everlasting father. And then finally, Isaiah's given this description of what's gonna happen in a manger 700 years after Isaiah gives this prophecy. And he says he'll also be called the Prince of Peace. Oh, I love it. Prince of Peace. Saying that he is going to be a, a, a God, that Jesus will be a deep a source of peace for his people. And I think we all need that. I think when that prophecy was given, it was a, that term probably definitely, especially resonated with those who heard that prophecy because they were in a season of absolute war of strife, of turmoil, 
And, and when they heard that unto them was going to be giving a prince of peace, oh, I bet it meant something. But maybe we're not too far off. Maybe we got a lot of chaos and a lot of strife and maybe we need peace just as bad as they did. And as I think about Christmas and decorating and I don't know if you've been doing that yet. You should probably get on that if you haven't, but we've been doing some decorating and thinking about when you get your Christmas decorations going and you, this is what you want. I mean, you want to look pretty. You want the tree to be all in the right place and you want everything to be spaced out and look so nice and you just want it to be picture perfect. But how many know this, that in order to get to that, you gotta deal with this. You gotta get up in the attic and get this all out and then you gotta start you got to start fighting. You got to deal with this if you ever want that. You don't ever get that. And we want our life to be like, like the, the Christmas card. We want our life to be like the, the Christmas post on Instagram where we get all the family. Everybody looks all pretty. They got the red sweaters on. Everybody behave and smile and act like we like each other. Just for one second. That's what we want. But if we want that for real, then we got to deal with this. And Isaiah says, you know what? Unto you a child is born, unto you, and he will be the prince of peace. And that word peace, uh, the, the Hebrew, the Old Testament word for peace is shalom. And it means more than just the absence of conflict. We cut it short when we go, okay, I just won't fight with anybody and that'll be peace. No, 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 it means more than that. It means, it means total uh, at rest in all areas of my life. It means this, shalom means this. It means that things are where they should be. Emotionally, relationally, spiritually, financially, peace, things are where they should be. And things never get where they should be without the prince of peace. It means I go from this to that because of him. It means if I try to deal with this on my own strength, if I try to work in my own strength, I may never get there. But if I can turn to the prince of peace, Say, Christ, I need you to put things where they need to be. My spiritual life is upside down right now. My family is not where they need to be right now. My finances are not where they need to be. My mind, my peace of mind. I lay in bed and awake all night. It's my mind's not where it needs to be. It's a tangled mess. Isaiah says unto you, that gift was given to you, a prince of peace close with this. This is the first year in many, many years that we've had a real tree. We've always had, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, we've always had a real tree. This is the first year in a long, long time that we, we bought a fake tree. Target was just running a particularly good sale. One of my kids works there. He got an extra discount. So we did it. We got a fake tree. We brought it home and some of our kids weren't real happy with us because they liked the real tree. But we, we, we put the fake one in there and it, we were putting it up and me and my wife the other night, and I'm going to tell you this, a fake tree is so much easier than the real thing. Oh my goodness, it was just a breeze. I mean, I didn't, we didn't have to drive to the, to, the, you know, to the tree place and pick one out and have them cut it off and try to load it on tight on the top of my car and I got sap everywhere and then I pull it down and I try to get all the, I got needles everywhere, try to open them, try to carry it into the house and I mean, just so much and then at the end of the Christmas season, it's dying, I got needles falling everywhere, trying to carry it out, find someone who will take it away from my house. I mean, it's, the, 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 the fake one is so much easier. But there's something about the real thing in there. All the aroma that fills the house when it's the real thing. 
Maybe somebody hearing me today is falling into the trap of thinking, you know what, it's easier just to stay fake. It's easier just to pretend. I'll just, I'll, pre- I'll just, I'll pretend everything's fine. I'll pretend like this is yet another happy Christmas. I'll pretend I don't have problems, I don't have issues, that I don't need anything from God special this year. It might be, you may be tempted to think that it's easier to be fake, but there's something about being real. There's something about coming to God and saying, God, if it's true that that gift was for me, I need it. I need some peace right about now. I need some counsel right about now. I need, I need an everlasting, loving Father right about now. I need, some, I need a miracle. I need a mighty God right about now. If that's you, he's here unto you. A child is born. Bow your heads, close your eyes. All of our campuses, if you would, bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody looking around. With every eye closed at all of our campuses, I am going to intentionally word it this way. If you need Jesus to manifest in an area of your life, if you would just be honest and say, I need a real touch of God in my life today. And yes, it could be spiritual. You, you, you may need some a mighty God to set you free from some addiction or some sin or the control of sin on your life. But it might be something else. It might be something physical. It might be something emotional going on. But there are so many under the sound of my voice that if you're honest, you'd say, I need the real thing today. I need, I need God to show up in my life. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. It's okay to not be okay. So with nobody looking around, I wanna pray for each and every person who says, I need a touch of heaven on my life. I need the real thing this Christmas season. I need a touch of Jesus in my life today. Whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical, relational, whatever. And if you want to be included in that prayer at all of our campuses right now, would you just do me a favor? Just slip up your hand. Slip up your hand and I'll just include you in this closing. I just need, I need a special touch of heaven on my life this Christmas season, this, this day. I need, a, I need a miracle of God. Yes, yes, there's hands up all over. I know at all of our campuses, hands are going up. Let's do this all over this room. Would you stand to your feet? All of our campuses, would you stand to your feet? There at our Red Bug Lake and Michigan Street, our campus pastors are gonna take the service. But as we stand right here in the, this room and at the, in the atrium, stand with us if you would. I don't want us to walk out of here and not open the gift that God's given us. So we start out by saying this was given to you. This is yours. This peace, this miraculous power, this loving father, this counsel, this is yours. And so many hands. I want everybody to know you're not alone. So many people lift their hands saying, I just need a special touch of heaven on my life today. And so... Pastor John's going to lead us in a song. And as he begins to sing, right when he first begins to sing, I invite each and every one of you who lifted your hand, saying, hey, this is a real thing. I, I need some. Then I want to invite you to step in and come meet me at this front so we can pray with you, pray over you, pray blessing the power of God in your life, in your situation. So as he begins to sing from all over this room, would you step out, make your way to this front? We want to pray with you, believe with you. Come on, you lifted your hand and you meant it. Meet us in this front. It's not too far to come. We thank you. We 
thank you, God. Jesus, have your way. Come on, let's make room for it. Let's not go out of here the same. You need a touch of God in your life. I believe God's here. altars are going to remain open and available. Will you pray with me all over this room and everybody at this front? Also, if someone's not praying with you specifically, we do need some more prayer workers to come. If you're uh, uh, one of our uh, ministry people, you could come, but we're going to pray. Father, I just come to you right now and I pray for each and every person that's stepped forward. I pray for healing. I pray for the application of everything that you are in their life. I pray, God, for a miracle. Be mighty in our situation. God, I pray restoration in families. I pray healing in bodies. I pray, God, for purification of our hearts, that you would deliver us and set us free. I love you. I bless you, God. I thank you, God. Pastor John's going to continue to pray. Pray blessing on your life. God bless you. Father, thank you that by your spirit, you're moving on each and every one of these lives and that you're meeting every need, God. We thank you that you are our Prince of Peace, that you are uh, the mighty God, that you are the everlasting Father, that you are Jesus the Christ, the Savior. And I thank you, Lord God, that you're moving in these lives. I thank you that as we all leave this time together, Father, that we won't leave your presence, but that you'll continue to manifest your presence in our lives, Lord God, no matter what situation, no matter what moment, God. I thank you that each of us will walk in your perfect peace as we navigate this season, remembering to keep you at the center of it. Thank you, God, for keeping us in the center of your love, and we promise to keep our focus on you as well. We love you, we honor you, and bless you, and thank you for your blessings over this congregation. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. We pray continued blessings upon you and your families, and we hope to see you again very soon.